to Bickering Peaks with your hosts, Aiden and Lindsay. So here we are. Episode 12 of season two. Yes. Yes. Season two, episode 12, The Black Widow the is Black what it's Widow. called. Yes. Um, and You want the, the German translation yes, at this the point German. right now? Hold on. I'm going to pull it up. Okay. So in the correct German, it is Die Schwarze Witwe. Now... Google, do your thing. Die Schwarze Witwe. Witwe. That's pretty good. If I do say so myself. You're the only one who I'm the only one who said so, but it counts. Um, So what are the production details? What Uh, what happened? It was directed by Caleb Deschanel, written Mm -hmm. by Peyton and Ingalls, our resident... uh, Showrunners, yeah. Wow. Really. In all but name. Yeah. Uh, It aired January 12th, 1991, so the first episode... Cool. Uh, first one of the new year. Um, and it was set on March 16th, 1989. Okay. So, yeah, the log lady, it's it's, uh, it's yeah, a, all about a dog. Dog's man's best friend, question yes. mark. Um, she talks about how she had a dog at one point. It was a large dog. It yeah. ate her garden, all of her all of her plants, and much earth. Yes. Which she, it ate so much earth that it died. It died, and, and it went became back part, part of the earth. earth. Yeah, went back to the earth. So. Um, she talks about having a memory of the dog. Yes, it was black and white. Yes, but the memory is all she has left of the dog. Yes. And that the dog was black and white. So, yes. I mean, I, I, at first glance, it's just a story about Margaret Lanterman's dog who previous died. pet dog, who's yeah. a large dog. That's that's it. But in context of, the, of this episode, I mean, we have Agent Cooper going to see the dead dog farm, mm-hmm. which is a fairly, I think, fairly clear yeah, connection. connection to... Also, the, the black and white memory... Uh, to me, is instantly think makes me think of uh, film, and that's what Bobby takes photos of is black and white uh, when he's at Dead Dog Farm. Oh yeah, as well. I guess I thought the black and white was more black and white it, lodges. Well, yeah, that too. And I mean, li- uh, lyrically, no. Textually, no. Logistically, logically, she's only talking about her dog being black and white, but right. the memory of it, I think, is is supposed to be read as being black and white i think that's kind of the i didn't get that she says literally she says the memory is all that i have left of my dog he was black and And white white. she doesn't talk about her memory being black but that's all she has left is he what he was is the memory of what he was but anyways yes i agree that might be a bit of a stretch for me but that's what i'm good at so um yeah you're good at stretching you are the least flexible i am not very flexible on the planet except for trying to jump to conclusions in which i'm very flexible flexible (laughs) It is one of your strong suits. <laughs> Not like making metaphors, that's for sure. Uh, so yeah, let's start. So we begin the real proper episode in the Great Northern. Yes. Uh, Bobby arrives to uh, kind of continue his previous plotline um, of trying to get work from Benjamin, or get something, blackmail Benjamin Horman in some extent. Uh, and he walks into Ben's office with no issue this time. Um, and well, it seems like he's made an appointment. His secretary, yeah, the secretary, secretary waves him told in. him to go. But I mean, like, does... Is Ben with it enough to make yeah. appointments? I don't know. But anyways, he, he walks in and Bobby finds, uh, I described it as an elegantly stacked set of office apparel. <laughs> uh, it's literally everything in Ben's office is in like an Eiffel Tower-esque stack. Yes. His uh, furniture, wall, his yeah. chairs, his nameplate is there. Desk, uh, everything. Everything. I think I said desk. Yeah, yeah. Everything is there. Everything's there. And yeah, and Bobby kind of like, well, what the heck's going on? He's very just kind of confused. Very confused. And then he spots Ben sitting beside it kind of crouched on the floor beside it yeah um, muttering about the things in life yes, that, you, that need, you need which are bobby you know what you have to have in this life 
Um, he's very proud of his furniture sculpture, I should. And, and I, I don't think many people helped him with it. He probably did that on his own. Yeah. So, bravo, Ben. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty impressive for yeah. someone who looks like he hasn't showered in three days. So, Or weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty gross. But anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Bobby asks him, you know, to get back on the topic that he wants to talk yeah. about. Ask him if he listened to the tape. And Ben has that funny line about... Uh, Leo, not having the technical ability to... Or just the general know-how, intelligence, the intelligence yeah. to operate a tape recorder and blackmail Ben yeah. in the first place. So uh, so these two characters now are united in their mutual hatred or at least mutual uh, disrespect of Leo Johnson. Leo Johnson, as, as is the audience. Yeah. So it worked out well. Um, um, but yeah, he basically asked Bobby, like, what do you want? What, what are you here for? And then he kind of, he kind of turns it into a bit of a... A lesson for Bobby he says, yeah. "What do you see when you when you look up at this the skyscraper? The skyscraper in front of you, yeah, yeah." And uh, he has no idea what's going yeah, on. He's I don't think he has stunned. any clue what no. what to say or or what even Ben is talking about. Yeah. So, um, but it's interesting because Ben seems to be, uh, even though he's lost most of what has been driving his business business interests in the last few episodes, the mill, Ghostwood, One Eye Jacks. Yeah. Um, he still views himself as the king of his domain, domain yeah, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and that's interesting because he's clearly not. He's not with it mentally or, or uh, in, a, in any kind of business acumenical sense. He has very little with itness. Yeah. But he still views himself as the man in the penthouse at the top of the skyscraper. And he asked Bobby the same question. Like, is that how you see yourself? Of course, Bobby. Is that what he asks? Because I, I think it's implied that that's oh, okay. he wants to know how where Bobby fits into this yeah, grand yeah, scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, Bobby's going to kiss ass. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, for sure. Totally. That's totally me. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, impresses Ben. Yeah. And well. Ben offers him a job, basically. Yeah. But it's it's funny because he's not. This is not the Ben Horn who has been it, running things and yeah. scheming and stuff. Now he's 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 lost all his allies. Yeah. He has nobody to really help him, so he's turning to Bobby, an 18-year-old kid. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean Hank in the last episode or two episodes ago yeah, I don't... uh left his employee. Yeah. So he's literally down to yeah. Whoever works for him at the Great Northern, Northern basically. Yeah, Even yeah. his brother's gone. Like and, we haven't seen Jerry. Yeah, in Jerry a few has episodes, not so. appeared in a while, yeah. Um so yeah, uh it's it's kind of a sad sad day when Ben yeah. Horn, the great and powerful, you know, wealthiest man in town, has to turn to Bobby Briggs, yeah. who is a schemer and a dreamer and not much else at yeah, this point. Yeah, yeah, he has so, not, and he hasn't not been successful in any of his no, plans. No, he was a low bit drug dealer, and he yeah. was he, that was probably the the most success he ever had. But um, Ben thinks he's the man for the job, yep. and the job is to follow Hank Jennings and. Take pictures. Yes, show him something that Ben doesn't already know about Hank. Yeah. So, and Bobby grabs cameras. Says, yeah, I'll do it. I won't let you down. And, and yeah, that's the that, end of that. That's it. They're he's, they're in business together now. Yeah. Um, he leaves Ben's office yes. and uh, and encounters a, a screaming. screaming Lana Milford. Yeah. Uh, in her bridal nightgown. I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, just screaming and running down the hallways, which. I, I always thought this was interesting that where 
Where is yeah, Ben's, office Ben's office in relation to the guest rooms? Yeah. Because you would think that there would be some kind of separation between him yeah, and the riffraff that, yeah. you know, use his, his business. But but she's running right by his office. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to... It's not something that I'm going to dwell on. But it was <laughs> It is. It's an odd choice. I remember thinking that too. I'm like, why is she there? But anyways, yeah. So Bobby looks at her. There's a funny moment where his the, the camera bag handle gets stuck on... Or camera bag strap gets stuck, stuck on the on handle of the door. The door. Yeah. So he drops it. Yeah. And, and you know, it it, it's just... I, I hasten to suggest that that was... Uh, intentional. Intentional. Um, it It's... Very in character, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bobby Briggs is a bit of a bit of a bumbler. Yeah. Yeah. For being the star of the football team, he's not that. <laughs> he's yeah. not that great. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. So he goes off, and, and uh, yeah, that's sort we, of this storyline. Yeah. yeah. We go to the sheriff's station, and we get Cooper looking darling in the his first appearance in flannel. Plaid flannel. Is that his first appearance? It is. Well, no. It is. It, what about when... When he rescued Audrey at One-Eyed Jacks, I think he was wearing a, Yeah. And when the, the but... major disappeared. Oh, yeah, that's right. Camping, but yeah. But this is a new turn for him. This is... Since he lost his badge and his gun, yeah. he, he's he's eschewed the... the As Albert says in a later, later episode, episode yeah, yeah. the standard uniform yeah. of the FBI agent. Because he's not an FBI agent anymore. No. So it's fitting that he'd be wearing he's plaid wearing the flannel. Local, the local colors, yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, he's in he's in the conference room with Irene, the real the estate agent, agent, who is showing him a bunch of properties. And he's got two, two. in front of him that he, he can't wants decide. to look at. Yeah, and he doesn't know which one to do first, so he flips a coin. And I love that he flips a coin because that's something that Aiden and I do all the time. Yes, we, we have, can't decide. We have a coin of fate that is, uh, what is it, a Bolivian peso or yeah, something? Yeah, it was. We've gone through a couple at this yeah, point. But we yeah, we found it on, in the hallway at the university in one of the, the old university buildings yeah. here on we're campus. Like, oh, it'll be our coin. It's our coin of fate. We use it to decide everything. Not everything. Well, a lot of things. A lot, a lot of things that we don't care that much about. <laughs> yeah. Well, and some things we do care a lot That's about. That's true. Like you know, sudden. major real estate purchases. <laughs> yes. So Cooper flips this coin in the air, and intending to decide between these two properties, and the coin lands on a third property that Irene has neglected to show him. But Cooper suddenly uh, takes an interest in, and this is very a very Cooper thing to do that he yeah. would follow this. The coin. Not the coin, the... not logic, not anything, but not it, even like, his own intention. You yeah, know, it's just like well, yeah. well, the coin itself led somewhere interesting. Yeah, so, so let's go with that. Yeah. And he asks about this property, which is called um, the Dead Dog Farm. And Irene, she says it's worse than it sounds. Worse than it sounds. <laughs> I don't know how it could be worse than that. But <laughs> of course, but Cooper is instantly drawn to it. Of course, yeah. and he he wants to know everything about it. And she says it's a puzzle that no one stays there long, mm-hmm. and uh, which makes it sound like this this all of a sudden has become a Henry James novel. This is Turn of the Screw. It's not. <laughs> it's a, I don't it's know a who Henry gothic. Did yeah. you get a degree I have an, in English? I have an English degree, and I don't know who I don't know who a lot of people are, Lindsay. Oh my There's goodness. been a lot of people through history. I don't know them all, okay? Okay. The author, Henry James. I figured it was an author. Okay. What's your point? <laughs> he wrote gothic gothic novels, and, and I'm thinking specifically of The Turn of the Screw, which is a, a horror story about a haunted house. Oh. That's what this sounds like. No one stays there long. It's like yeah, the yeah, house that, get... your, that your dead uncle wills you and in order to get all the money okay, you have okay. to now, spend a night there. Now I there. get it. You should have made the Simpsons reference when they asked. I don't <laughs> I don't go through life with the Simpsons as my as my point of reference like well, you do. That that's a problem for you. But anyway, You married me anyway, so yeah, yeah. I guess that's just your lot in life. Yeah. Not I'm regretting sorry. it at all. <laughs> Anyways, Cooper wants to go see it, so that's yes. where that's the plan. That's where he's going. Um, so then Dick walks in to yes, yeah, so we're, we're uh, in back the, in the lobby yeah. of the of the 
uh, sheriff station. Uh, Dick walks in to talk about little Nikki with who's there? Well, Lucy and Andy, but Molly Shannon. Molly Shannon. And her I couldn't role. believe it. every time I watched this for like the yes. first five times I watched it, I'm like, no, no, it's not Molly Shannon because it's, it, it's not that Molly it Shannon. It kind of looks like her, but it also it's like well, she's much she's younger, younger, right? Yeah. yeah. But then when I realized it actually was her, I'm like, oh my god, it's it's, Molly it's the Molly Shannon. Yeah. Superstar. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, she's playing uh, Judy Swain, who is um, Nikki's, Nikki's case manager, case manager, caseworker, or yeah. something with the Happy Helping Hands organization. organization. So she wants to meet with Dick and Andy and Lucy for some reason. I don't know how they got. Well, because Dick was the initial one, but now is all Andy kind involved of, with the? Well, yeah, they all want to be involved in Little Nikki's life. Is I think officially. Yeah, well, because Andy said we're all in it together when they stood I up guess. on the ladder together and everything. I guess so. Anyway, um, she she tells them. Uh, Nikki's tragic, yeah, tragic backstory. backstory, which is that he's he's had a series of unfortunate, random misfortunes has be, have befallen everybody who's taken care of him. So he's kind of bounced around the system a lot. He's confused and he's been traumatized. Both of his parents died under mysterious circumstances, and yeah, they all seem touched by this. But um, but Dick is the one who's more interested in the mysterious circumstances yeah, bit. So yeah. which is funny because Andy's a cop. But he's just like yeah, he's more but, he's yeah. more sensitive and drawn to the fact yeah, that this, this poor, poor kid, kid has, has no nobody, parents. Yeah. And... Well, yeah, he has that great comedic moment. Poor child, yes, an orphan, you know. Really? What happened? Did his parents die? Nicely deduced, Andrew. That that's really funny because it's typical Andy. But yeah, yeah. Um, anything else? That one? Not really. No. Uh, so we move on to... Oh, the, uh, well, Carrie yes. calls Andy up and says, Oh, emergency at the Great Northern. Yeah, Let's go. so they leave and that segues to the next scene, which is at the Great Northern, where we get um, the news that Doug Milford has died. So... Well, we see his body right We away. do, immediately. And right away, uh, this is his... The morning after his wedding, the poor guy died on his wedding night, as Harry says, with his boots on. Um, there's a bunch of... Yeah. Uh, erotica. Yeah. Sex paraphernalia. And, and, yeah. And Andy pulls out a, a weird mask from a trunk at the end of the bed. Like, Don't want to know what that's for. We are not going to judge. But this clearly was a, um, uh, an all night sex bender. Yeah. And, 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 and he life died of... in, in a moment of passion, in the yes. throes of passion. Yes. Or at least after the throes of passion. If, <laughs> unless, I, I don't know. I don't know how you die during sex, but probably, well, I mean, we found out later it's a heart attack. So mm-hmm. he overexerted himself the old yeah. man. And that's okay. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, there's like the Kama, Kama Sutra yeah, and a, yeah. a book of Byronic poetry. And um, yeah. and then Dwayne Milford, the Dwayne, mayor, yeah. comes in. And uh, it's... And it's sad. It is really it, sad. It is, there's, it is. That, there's the really sad music, but I, I still found that Mayor Milford was was being quite silly. Well, I don't, I don't think he can help it. And I think, you know, it's... To me, this felt like the most Twin Peaks scene since... For a right, long time, right, 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 because it was darkly funny. Yeah, he was making fun of his brother for dying. Yeah, as he's During crying. Sex, yeah, 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 as he's crying. Like it, it has kind of all those elements of like, yeah, being a sad, tender moment between two brothers who are estranged, or yeah, or, who, yeah. if not estranged, they're definitely not on good good no. terms. But now that one of them is dead, he I really mean, did. Yeah, yeah. You, you feel his, his suffering there and his grief. But he, you know, he still says. You know, he pulls out uh, one of the books, the sex books, and he says, well, there's your murder weapon, Harry. Yeah, and he <laughs> accused Lana of being uh, a witch and, and of killing him. and yeah. Might as well blown, have blown his brains out with a, bear, with a rifle. Right, at one point, yeah. So. Um, so, you know, it's 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 the kind of thing you, you might understand if, you're in the, if you are in the throes of grief that you would jump to these conclusions. Um, having it be Dwayne Milford do it is 
silly. Yeah, well, that's we've seen him as a silly he character. He is just a silly character. Um, yeah. But there's that added pathos to it that's really quite touching and yeah these two cared about well at least wayne cared about dougie yeah i will say there's an interesting moment that um actually you know what this is a very spoilery a spoilery section maybe i shouldn't say anything about it no point it out because it, it won't come up again and you can just say it, there is a tie-in to the well there's the a potential potential tie potential tie-in tie um, spot it it might be the kind of thing that was happenstance and mark frost during his rewatch before he read the book or wrote the book, book. Um, kind decided of to, yeah, to put like, it in oh, like this okay. is an aha moment um, I will post some links on the SoundCloud page if you're interested yeah and you're not worried about Facebook spoilers or anything. Yeah. yeah but it yeah very spoilery so um, just you've been warned yeah so they escort Lana out yes. she's crying and very upset well no they sorry they escort uh, Dwayne out yeah and he's upset and then he sees Lana insults yes. her calls her a witch and Hawk of course can't let that pass she has to comfort not. her of yes. course and he's totally enamored with her oh jeez um, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he tries to hit on her by, by kind of uh, inflating his position with the well, sheriff's department yeah yeah he's she asks him if he's the sheriff, the sheriff and he says let's just say when something really big goes down I'm the man and then it's undercut right away because Andy opens the door that he's leaning on and he falls in. Um, but he he does, before that, he asks quickly for, well, he, he kind of prompts her and she says, well, I, this isn't the first time this has happened. Right. Like, she, her prom date um, had just gotten braces yes. and were they kissing or something? But yeah, anyway, he opened his jaw and it locked open and he spent hours in emergency. She had to, they had to break his jaw, jaw in three, three places. places. It sounds totally improbable. Um, uh, but it was, it's, yeah. it's, it's the kind of sad backstory that was given a lot of, um, emotional weight when it was Ed and Nadine. Like this reminded me a lot of their backstory, but it's played for, yeah. for laughs here. Yeah. So it's, I'm not going to say it's a misstep, but it does seem like it's, um, it's not, yeah, it's, it's not, it's a little, it's a little tone deaf in terms of the grand scope of the show, in this episode, it's fine because Lana isn't really yeah. played as a serious character. She's kind of yeah, she's. But I mean, that's the thing. She so we and we'll get into this uh, because both her and Little Nicky are kind of framed as perhaps mystical creatures in this right, episode or a little bit supernatural of some sort. Yeah, charged or something yeah. like that. Uh, and but. So here it feels like that's kind of what the, they're yeah. leading towards, and it yeah. makes sense in this episode. But then that doesn't. Actually, well, not in, in any way that we see in the show. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, so that's... That's, that's the start of yes. Lana's story. Lana's story this for this episode. episode. Yeah. Then we jump to the high school. Yes. We have another scene in the high school. And, uh, we and this, get... is, this is a really good scene. <laughs> I, I do it's, like it's this. It's really for... funny. Um, the coach character, yeah. who was only introduced in the last episode, is like... Pretty funny, but yeah. but this is this is one of those moments that's like it's a very sitcommy moment that yeah. I felt was like I I really don't know what Twin Peaks was going for at this point. It, it felt like they were trying, they were just throwing everything they could at the wall to try and see if something. Well, I, would stick, I think they but... were they were stuck on this Nadine Mike story. They really wanted them to have a relationship, yeah, and they wanted like a cute like a meet cute kind of situation. Yeah. And and this is what they came up with. They're like, yeah. oh, yeah, they'll just wrestle in wrestling match. But, I mean, so so the funny part is the coach giving a speech about... Boys, there's a story about a great football coach whose name escapes me at this time who was dead set against having any black players on his team. 
until somebody brought him the finest black halfback anyone had ever seen. And when what's-his-name saw him run 50 yards and no one lay a hand on him, he shouted, look at that Indian go. That coach accepted that athlete's desire to compete. Nadine. And today, this story applies to this woman's, this young girl's, right to compete. In addition to it being her moral and constitutional right. And yeah. it's, it's just hilarious that, because we've all been, you know, um, in situations where there's someone giving an inspirational speech about something and usually have all the details. Yeah, and this is, yeah, just subverts that a little. It's... It kind of makes the teachers look like buffoons <laughs> a little bit, which as a teacher, I'm a little offended. No, but I, it's not, it's but not it's untrue for, it's for because the I've done that yeah. myself. So. Just make up a name. You're just like, <laughs> totally. John Wilford. He was the Abraham coach. Abraham Lincoln was, was yeah. the first prime minister of Canada. Yeah, exactly. You know, seventh graders buy it. Yeah. So, yeah, which oh is God, terrible. I hope my bosses aren't listening to this. <laughs> You're joking about that part. It's very clear. <laughs> Where um, am I? <laughs> so anyways, Nadine has wants to join the wrestling team yes. against all odds, the all-male wrestling team, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and she's going to prove herself by going up against their star uh, star wrestler, which is Mike. Um, and Mike had... So they start wrestling, and Nadine's trying to flirt with him and, like, ask him out. And she, he's trying to, like, teach her how to wrestle because she's never done it before. But, of course, with her super strength, she just kind of kicks his butt and yeah. throws him around, literally picks him up and throws him uh, in the air to finish the match and pins him like yeah which is just crazy and yeah, yeah. of course the whole wrestling team is just in shock yeah because... well they start off chuckling and yeah then once she's beaten him up pretty good like, but the whole time that this is happening she's like yeah kind constantly... of petitioning him yes. for a date yes it's like or, sorry she's propositioning him for yeah. a date yeah petitioning works well and it seems like after i watched it i was like this is really like rapey a little bit a little like bit right because it's like physical violence yeah like go on a date with me or i'll break your neck, neck yeah. right and it's it's a little bit but yeah yeah oh yeah if the genders were reversed that would be a totally reason, horrific that... moment yeah it's played for laughs here though which is uh, well, and, a little and, uncomfortable yes and you don't get the sense that needing really wants to hurt him she's just doing no yeah she's being she's, asked to wrestle so and she's she thinks wrestling. it's cute and this is this yeah. is how nadine flirts i think like yeah at this point yeah. if we've well we've well, seen yeah, her flirt true. like that with ed so this is how she does it she yeah. manhandles she's the very men that physical she, yeah yeah um and then in the very next scene we see donna and mike mike approaches donna in the hallway and he's got a crick in his neck yeah, aiden, he, aiden even uh, i said and like mike interaction approaches donna yeah <laughs> because it looks like he's completely unable to move yeah. because of she beat him up so bad yeah and uh and yeah basically asked donna to say something or to well to or... pretend that you're my girlfriend yes still. That's right. and she has that great line yeah donna has a has a great line which is i'm not that good of an actress which is which reminds me of uh when uh what's his name Josh from the West Wing wrote an episode of the West Wing and yes. made Joshua Molina say that line. Yes. I'm not a very good actor. Like, yes. When Brad, when Brad Brad Woodford Woodford, yes. wrote an episode of the West Wing yeah. and put that line in his... His uh, co-star's uh, mouth. <laughs> yeah, who they have a friendly banter yes. back and forth. Yes. Um, but so, yeah, this So this I feel like this like, was like, uh, yeah. I don't think it was the same. I don't think anybody was trying to call attention to Laura Flynn Boyle's... No. She was a big star at this point. Lack so. of acting talent, yeah. but um, but it is funny when you yeah. Anytime you an start. actor says I'm not that good of an actor yeah. or something, it's yeah, always funny. It's a little so. meta, but yeah. um, 
So yeah, then we oh, then we go to oh, James. James. We meet Malcolm Sloan, who is Evelyn's brother and also the <laughs> chauffeur. Yes, also his chauffeur or her chauffeur. I don't know. He I works would be for her his brother. Yeah. Because, if we, but where isn't he with him then? Yo. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it doesn't it's, really it's, matter. I'm not gonna. It's a guy who wears the hat. Like yeah, he wears we're the not gonna. Hat. We're not gonna parse the logistics of this no. of this plot line because it's so asinine. So I I will say that that out of the the characters that we've met in the storyline, the actor who plays Malcolm Sloan is the best because he actually feels like he knows he's in a terrible situation. Well, and <laughs> but he he speaks the lines with the right kind of. You know, melodrama, yeah. melodrama, but it is, it is so melodramatic, melodramatic yeah. that it's like, it's unbelievable that this is the same TV show that we just watched Nadine, you know, beat the crap out of Mike Nelson. And then we've got this, this other storyline that is, it feels like it's in the worst B movie yeah. noir, like schlocky film that we've ever seen. Um, yes, it really does. It's so it's, it's. It's such a jarring Yeah, switch. transition, yeah. This is the thing that Aiden and I have both realized about these season two episodes. It's that um, the when it's real when it's good, it's really good. Mm-hmm. But when it's bad, it's really bad. And yeah. I think the bad like the really bad parts give this part of the season a such a bad really flavor. bad name. Yeah. Well and, and a bad reputation too. Yeah. Like people really hate them because of these but you can honestly you could skip right over yeah, James none of and this Evelyn. You could anything. basically skip over little Nikki and you won't miss anything. The the best parts of these episodes are the storyline with Cooper and the DEA and and all of that. Yeah. And, and the Windermere all built yeah, up. Yeah, the Windermere all built up and all of that. Yeah. These other side stories that that really contain the worst of season two are are kind of you can you can you can just sideline them, them yeah. completely, completely yeah. ignore them, and you won't lose any context. Yeah. So, um, but anyway. Yeah. The, so base, they, the yeah, gist they, of this is that uh, Evelyn Marsh is being abused, abused by, by her husband, husband. And so and she breaks things and she broke. Yeah. Her so and, so yeah. Every two weeks, Evelyn gets beat up by her husband. Yeah. And then Evelyn breaks something of her husband's in retaliation. Which, which I mean, you knew already from yeah. the the heavy-handed exposition that oh, totally. led up to this scene. I mean, this is even just more of the same. Like, it feels so... And why is her brother saying... Yeah, why like, are they telling this, is, this to James anyway? He's yeah. a brand new character. They've just met him. I mean, later on... We it, know why. Yeah, we know why. But it, if you going, don't know why, you're sitting there and thinking, odd. like, what's going on? Like, yeah. this does not feel natural. It does not feel like a, a good progression. It doesn't feel like good character buildup. Um, you just know you're in a bad storyline. Yeah, every every time it comes up. So, so that's that. Let's go to Dead Dog Farm. Yes, Cooper arrives with the uh, real estate agent. What's Irene. Name Irene. Irene. And she gives him a, a bit of a... A history and a summary saying that the best and the worst are drawn to Dead Dog. Um, and what is it? Only the purest of heart can feel its pain? Yes. And most people are kind of stuck in the middle between being able to feel its pain and being repulsed by it, I think. Okay. Um, that's where most people fall into it. I think the hint this is, is that Cooper is a legend drawn... for like a house, a house. you yeah. know, like that looks like it was built in the 40s. Well, no, like... I will I will say like I think the, the, the card that she had the listing on said yeah. it was from the 1920s. Um, okay. So it, yeah, it does have, time a have a bit of a history, a but legend, yeah. but I mean this it Irene is a is a is a First Nations woman, yeah. so immediately uh, I yeah, mean just by this, virtue yeah. of her character and, and the actress who plays her, you get um, 
yeah. you get a sense that there's a gravitas to it. Yeah, yeah. To it, yeah. which yeah. is unfortunate that that you know that has to be the trope that it falls into. Yeah. But well, it I does. Think that's part of partly just us kind of projecting onto. It. I Maybe, mean, she, that could the be. way she talks about it. Yeah. I mean, she's given lines that are very mysterious and sure leading misleading, but. Yeah, I think a lot of that's still just us saying like, "Oh well, yes." I'm gonna the, believe the her First because Nation. she's yeah, she's, she's in touch with the exactly you know, the local which, spirits yeah, and stuff. I mean, which is, is is a little bit of. But I think is it's that our inter- is that our is that us being racist? A little bit, a sure. little bit. But also, oh, no, I feel I, really I think, gross. <laughs> no, but shower. It's also on, on purpose of the. The, the goal of the show was to do that too. I mean, right. it's it's but the way it's, they give the hawk those same lines, right? right? But so. I I just feel like that's unfortunate that yeah. it had to come no, from true. in in this fashion. But at the same time, you know, it does lend this this air of of importance yeah. to this property. To what's going on? Um, and, so and, it, Cooper, and it does lead to. I mean, Cooper is drawn to this place. So yeah. is he? Yeah. You know, the best yeah. of the yeah, people perhaps, or the worst, worst of the people? Yeah. yeah, we don't know. Right. So, but he's drawn to it. Inexplicably, and, yeah. And when he arrives there, and after they've talked, he spots three ty- sets of tire marks. Right, and it's the first time that Cooper is, has really had a good um, investigative moment in quite a few episodes. Yeah, it's true. Well, he hasn't had much to investigate, right. really. Um, I mean, he put together Bob's Bob as Leland. Sure, kind of. More, that was more, more yeah. of a supernatural, yeah. but anyways. Um, and then. So they walk into the house, though, here. Right. Okay, so hold on. Back Sorry. up. So he found three tires, three sets of tire tracks. They were, um, and he can tell yeah, just by yeah, looking at yeah, them that Jeep. it was a Jeep, a four-wheeler, and a luxury sedan. Yeah. Um, and he knows that they've been there within, you know, the, yeah. it's muddy, so yeah. it's recently rained, so they've been there recently. Yeah. Um, the door is open. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, so they, yeah, they walk in, the door is open, yeah. and he smells. And that's yes. how he notices that there was a meeting here. Yeah. Um, which is interesting, but also makes sense because of the items he finds when he right. does a thorough examination. He yes. kind of, he looks well, at he the table. Well, he sees that there's bags on the table, little baggies, little baggies. on the table. Um, powder in the sink. Yeah. Which, uh, which he, he tastes and it's baby laxative. Yeah. Uh, and then he examines kind of the edge of the table and underneath yeah. it and on the chair, yes. he finds more white powder, which is cocaine. Yes. Um, and he's very happy. So yeah, we're gonna he talk has, to it's, the it's yeah. one of those moments where, again, he gets that kind of sinister glee to him where he's like, Cocaine. Irene, we have to notify the sheriff. Which is a, a return to the Agent Cooper that, that investigated Laura's murder with yeah. such zeal, right? Yeah. yeah. So here's this mysterious plot line starting to come up with Dead Dog Farm. Yeah. Same Cooper. Yeah, it the is. The return of yes, the, season one Cooper. Yes, it's, it's nice. And that's that's what I mean. Like, this yeah. episode really does have a, a strong feel of returning to Twin Peaks in those good scenes. Yes, when it's you good. You know, when it's yeah. good, it, it yeah. really does feel like it. When um, it's bad, as, as in the next scene. The next scene, it really doesn't feel like yeah. it. So the next scene, uh, Dick has l- taken little Nikki out for a camping trip. And I, I, the part I do love about this, they're wearing the same clothes. They are. And it's like, it's a mix of like... I don't even. It's like woodsman, but like chic woodsman. Like yeah, because it's like fur-lined jean jackets. Yeah, and then wearing. like cutoffs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it's so funny, and like huge hiking boots and stuff. It's yeah. So I, I love the I love that aesthetic. Yeah. Um, but basically, and I love that Dick has laid out a blanket and his thermos to change a tire. Yeah. So like, the, uh, it, the tire doesn't look like it's flat, but he has to change it anyway. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Not um, sure why, but yeah. Um, and he's he's got it jacked up, yeah. and he's he's examining the the manual on how to change tire. He has no idea how. And Nikki starts off by playing with the wheel uh, yeah. inside the car, and so he's turning the, the wheel and yeah. pissing off Dick. 
Dick screams at him to leave. Nikki comes out and he asks, are you mad at me, Dick? Blah, blah, blah. Uncle Dick. Uncle Dick. And Uncle Dick says, no, of course not. Just, you know, fuck off. Um, and then Nikki walks away. Yes. And, and then, he, you know, his, his supernatural element comes out because he gives Dick kind of a look. A and little then, grin. Yeah. A little and sinister. Then, yeah, and then the jack of the on the car jots out of place somehow and almost crushes Dick. Yeah. Um, who was under the car previously. Yeah. So, well, sort of. Sort I don't of. think it would have I don't think it would have actually yeah, killed him. That anything, badly, but... but but Nikki is is completely yeah. freaked out, and he throws his arm around Uncle yeah. Dick's neck, and it's like, oh, are you oh, going to die? die? And, and, and Dick's Dick like, no, of course not. Like, no, of course not. But and then he, he considers like, wait, Could should I, I have died? died? Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so that's that scene. Sorry, I described it verbatim. Sorry, you did, but, it was, but it's 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 kind of an asinine scene. It like is, and it's it's just, it's weird. I okay, it's not asinine. That's not fair. It it's mysterious, but it's kind of is it jokey mysterious. mysterious. Yeah, it, exactly. It's right? more joke than mysterious. Yeah, like, if there's a joke in the mystery, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, and that's very Twin Peaks. But when there's when the joke, joke, and then there's a tiny bit of mystery yeah, time, yeah. Eh, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't work as well. Um. We go back to the sheriff's station, yes. and we get Colonel Riley from the Air Force. Who's Major who Briggs's superior, superior officer, probably, yeah. I'm guessing, or yeah. someone involved with this, um, his, the work that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, Major Briggs, you remember, is has been missing for the last couple of days, and Colonel Riley is there to uh, get more information from Agent Cooper and Sheriff Truman about Briggs's disappearance. Yes. Um, he asks... A very pointed question yeah, to to Cooper. Agent Cooper about any wildlife that were present yes. right before Major Briggs and, went missing. And he says specifically owls. Well, birds or owls. Birds or owls. Um, we know there's been tons of birds already in the show. So yeah. is there mythology around the birds that that's yeah, been built that we don't up? know yet. Either. So we already know about the owls. And of course, yeah, Agent Cooper says actually yes, there was. There yeah. was an owl right yeah. before he went missing. Um, which. Leads us to underline that and, and note it again, yeah. if we haven't already, that owls are important. Yes. Um, but also, yeah. Um, so then Harry tries to get to the kind of, cut to the point and says, well, what do you, why don't you share some information with us? Because, and then Agent Cooper says, we know about the, the transmissions yes. that were sent from deep space. And Colonel Riley says, you may know something, but you best get your facts straight. Our monitors are pointed at deep space. But the messages we intercepted, that Briggs showed you, were sent from right here in these woods. Now, where they were sent to is another question. Um, which is very interesting, and that's the first time we've we've realized yeah. that. So now there's transmissions coming from the woods, woods going somewhere, somewhere to outer space, or they, to... they were the ones that said Cooper. Yes, and that was not what they said. So, so uh, yeah. the reaction that Cooper has is is you know, predictably spooked. Yeah. It's a spooky thing it is. to, to have spooky. to hear, that your name is, is associated with something coming from deep within the woods outside. And and so he, and he immediately kind of follows that up with asking about the White Lodge and gets, right. once again, uh, that's classified yes. response, which yes. is always always telling. And then the, the, final, um, the final bit of information that Colonel Riley offers is that uh, Major Briggs is a great pilot. He's got a lot going for him that many of us would only dream of having Um, and that his disappearance goes so far beyond national security it makes the Cold War seem like a case of the sniffles and that um, is if 
if we didn't already know that Major Briggs was an important character, here it here it is. Like yeah. this is this is where it it really comes out that um, whatever he's working on, whatever he's dealing with, is hugely important. important. And it involves Cooper, and it involves his disappearance. And this is the yeah perfect example of where this episode the highs of this episode go yeah. really high this is this is something that that really amps really, up the yeah, intrigue yes especially around major briggs and yeah. his work mm-hmm. i mean it's kind of annoying i really don't like this in a show where one character has far more information than all the other characters and they just don't share it for whatever reason yeah but a military officer has you know good sure reasons, and, you know, and, and and it it makes sense in that context yeah so and i know uh we talked about this a bit in the past, is that Major Briggs was going to be a very, very important character in, in yes. the potential season three that, that never yes. evolved. Yeah. So, um, and unfortunately, with, with Don S. Davis's death, yes. um, he will not be returning, obviously, in No, but his, his son may. Yes. So well, we Bobby's might... definitely returning. So. Yeah. So we, I mean, there's there's potential here for, for some continuation of this this plot line. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see where yeah, they take where it. it but, um, but this is this is really where the most interesting threads of the second season start to weave themselves into a tapestry that makes um season two interesting yeah. again yeah what where it unravels a little bit is, is uh the next, next scene which, which is, is james, james fixing yeah. a jaguar no james making out with evelyn That's oh all well yeah that is. happens too but well, she walks in and they, like oh man she's it's just like again with the wooden dialogue and... Yeah, exactly, and and just the awkwardness of like like it's they so forward yeah, and they say like things that would no not lead would you to say. kiss someone, yeah. and then that's when they kiss. It's like, like it just it, it the the dialogue is so bad that they, there was no way they were going to be able to record I have, this. I have to wonder, like, was this intentional? Is that yeah? I I really I have no idea because you know Harley Payton and Robert Angles are not bad writers no they've done some great they've stuff. done some great and they stuff. do stuff in this episode in this episode i'm wondering if stuff. james's whole storyline was mapped out written and filmed like like months earlier yeah, and they just no filmed idea. it all separately because it doesn't involve any of the other characters no it doesn't Pete. so they could have just written it all at once filmed it all at once and then when they started slicing it in they're like oh god this is terrible because <laughs> it really is it's a noticeable shift in quality yes it really is yeah. i would love to know more so i know that there some of our listeners are quite um knowledgeable knowledgeable and into things, the research yeah. of this stuff know where to point know, would know where to point us and other viewers or other sorry know where to point us and other listeners to um to these answers so if you have those answers we would love to hear you yes, hear from you definitely um, but anyway, Evelyn's husband comes home, and that's the end of that. Makeout yeah. session ends. Yeah. And James <laughs> is just a whore. I'm sorry. But this is what? How many women now? Four women in yeah. three weeks? Yeah. I mean, all the power to him, but come on. Come on. You're still hung up on Laura, too? Like, jeez. Anyways. Let's go back to the Great Let's Northern. go back to the Great Northern. Um, I love that... Uh, well, I love and I hate that Audrey is sneaking up on Bobby the way that she used to sneak up on Agent Cooper. Yeah. Um, it really seemed to... It seems like this was supposed to be a replacement love interest for her. Uh, but then they realize Bobby still has Shelly. Like, yeah, like, like they, they forget for a while that Bobby and Shelly yeah. have this... Well, you don't even... Shelly's not even in this episode. No, exactly. So She's barely in the last one. But uh, Bobby tells her that he got a job. And that he has an assignment, and he has a, a folder in his hands. So um, clearly, he's he's filled his role of film and gone to the one-hour photo depot down the street and gotten those films. He's done his job very well, very yeah, quickly. Yeah, very so, quickly. So that's good. Um, they flirt. 
Yes. She's very handsy. Yes. And she says that we should go into business together. And yeah. then Bobby leans in for a kiss. But she Because that's what she's been. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so odd because. And it's, it's a very strange, like, out of character sequence for both of them. For both of them. I, I would bu- I buy it more from Bobby because well, he's, a, he's, he's a kind guy. of. Well, that's sexist, but it's true. Like, well, he's, and he's, he's a that guy kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, exactly. Right? He would be the type that would do that, yeah. And but I don't feel like that is in keeping with Audrey's character no, that we've seen so far. I mean, unless she's playing him for something, but right. I don't see that happening, and I don't well, know what her game is. No, but she does go when when Bobby goes into Ben's office to present yeah. his findings. She does sneak into her hiding place again. Yeah, her little cross so face. she she does kind of come back to that that investigator yeah. Nancy yeah. Drew character that she had in season one. And maybe she is just so maybe with she Bobby. is just playing with him. Which, which makes it a little bit more palatable to me. Not that I don't like Audrey and Bobby together. Actually, I think that that would be a fun yeah. pairing. And yeah. I, would, I would have loved to see where... Well, we do get to see them as as partners and allies yeah. in a, a storyline coming up here. And it is very interesting. Yeah, they're, um, they're both fun characters. Yeah, and I but feel like it they is play a off shift each other. For Audrey. Like, it is. She, Audrey she went was from the investigative. Well, and, and her affections were and so strong for, for Cooper. Cooper. And, and for that to have... Just, just ended so quickly. At well, the it end doesn't, because of... she, like, in a couple scenes later, she's talking well, to this, Cooper. This episode is the last episode where where there's any kind of hint of yeah. of, of an Audrey Cooper. Really yeah, or or anything. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but anyway we'll, anyway, we'll get to that. Yeah. So Bobby goes in while Audrey's watching and hands over the photos <laughs> and says, "Did I do a good job?" And and Ben has a great thing about yeah how much am i paying you well we didn't discuss money and then he's like well consider this uh, your first raise right but what has ben doing oh yes i forgot yes ben is reenacting the battle of gettysburg day one the south is winning i think this is okay it's an unpopular opinion because a lot of people think that that ben horn's civil war plotline is a complete waste of time but i really enjoy it i really like it too i think it's fun okay damn it i was hoping you'd hate it cool so you have something to bicker i don't love it but i i think it's fun i think it's 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 problematic in the sense that well when we get to it we'll find out why it's a little problematic but but I think it's something that um, feels a little bit more. It's definitely more Twin Peaks than Nadine being yeah, super strong school, or yeah. Little Nikki or anything like that. So when you compare it to the worst of the season two storylines, it it yeah, ranks fairly highly. Yes. It also <laughs> seems to have a lot of Mark Frost fingerprints all over it. His yeah. interest in history, history and, and, and that yeah, kind yeah. of angle yeah. is is uh, very all Mark over Frost, this. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so anyway, yeah. we go to the Blue Pine. And here's another scene that I kind of, I want to get your opinion on. Because okay. um, we have Pete and Catherine having a meal together. Yeah, they're um, sharing some bubbly. Yeah, Pete waxes poetic. He, he repeats a, a poem or recites a poem by Yeats. Yeats. And Catherine's like, oh, that's sweet. And then he's like, the only other poem I know is a limerick. A limerick. And I really want to know the end of that limerick. I know, right? It's No, really. Really, Pete, that was There very once was a lady from Galway. Josie. I just yeah I just I need to yeah. know what that what yeah. that would be I could write one yeah but I'm, it wouldn't be as fun no, I'm and, sure yeah well unless you know Pete's gonna deliver it it'll do something um, um, but then but then we get uh, the first scene with Josie as the maid yeah and I I wondered about Pete's reaction I wondered how you how you read that because at first he seems like he's he's almost if 
he's accepting it. He's almost laughing at her. Yeah. But then he backtracks and he thinks that she's that Catherine well, is being too harsh with Josie. Yeah, I think, and I think I was thinking about this earlier too. And I think that's actually the fairest representation because I think he, more than anything, he does love Catherine, and I think he felt he probably would have felt blindsided if, when he found out that Josie was behind a lot of the bad things sure. that happened to Catherine and the mill. Yeah. Um, I think and he would have Catherine's Joe's. back. I think. Yeah, exactly. And but at the same time, he does still care for. So, yeah, Josie. he so says I think this it's is a not. It's not the Josie that he knows. Yes. So maybe he's just having a hard time reconciling it. I think so. I think I actually like. I was thinking like, oh no, he would never stand for Josie being treated poorly. Right. Considering he sided with her every other time, yeah. but she did some pretty bad stuff she did. to his family. She really. did. And so, I mean, granted, um, we don't know the full extent or what. Her motivations were now that now that Eckhart has been thrown into the thing, thrown into the mix. Um, there's you know yeah, manipulation much, yeah. and and a bunch of stuff that goes I on mean, that complicates I, things. Yes, and I would have loved to have seen a uh, scene between Pete and Josie yeah. where he tries to talk to her and get her side of the story mm-hmm. because Josie's only other interaction besides Catherine and later uh, Catherine's brother Andrew Andrew uh, is with Harry. Yeah. Like, and so she becomes very one dimensional. Whereas she and Pete had such a great relationship yeah, in the yeah, first yeah. season. Yeah. And you don't like, get I wanted any to see them more. go fishing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, but it, I mean, she does. So she walks in and yeah, they have Catherine kind of explains why she's treating him. Her so yeah. Again, it's, it seems like a, a reminder because it's been a month since the last episode aired. So yeah. it's a little bit of a reminder of where we left things. Yeah. But it, it does set up the, the new dynamic that's in place. Yeah. Um, even though Josie kind of backtalks a little bit to Catherine. Like, yeah. they're, they're not, they're... No, it's not like this is going to be a long-term thing. Like, Josie's not right. going to stand for it. Catherine's just toying with her and teasing her and treating her like crap, right? Right. Um, well, and, I think, yeah, Catherine wants to humiliate Josie, and yeah. Josie's not going to give her the satisfaction. She'll wear the cap. Yeah. She'll put it at a jaunty angle, yeah, and yeah. she'll smile when yeah, she does it. Because yeah. she's not going to give Josie, or she's not going to give Catherine the satisfaction, satisfaction of yeah. knowing that she's... You know, feeling humiliated. Yeah. Which I thought, by the way, that was the cutest shot in the yeah, world. Yeah, totally. So, was. so she just does this little twirl yeah, with her it's, head. It's Joan Chen. Heads. Joan Chen is is a yeah a treasure. I yes. do like her a yeah. lot. So. She's great. So, um, so that scene ends, and we go to the Great Northern. Um, Cooper is speaking to Diane, yes. whom he hasn't spoken to in a few days. Yeah. Um. Well, he he talks about his uh, real estate investigations yes. into the into the town. And he talks about um, this chess game that he's playing with Wyndham Earl and how uh, Earl has already predicted his next move. Yeah. Well, his first or, move, yeah. Yeah, Cooper's first move, his response to Wyndham's opening move, before Cooper had even had a chance to publish, to publish it. it in the paper. Yeah. Um, which just goes to show what we talked about in the last episode that Wyndham Earl sees the whole board. He knows exactly what Cooper is going to do. Um, it it really underscores how it really underscores how lopsided this battle is going to be between yeah. Cooper and Earl. Yeah. Um, because yeah, Wyndham has all the cards. He knows exactly what Cooper's going to do. Yeah. And that that's a position that Cooper hasn't been in before. No. He he's, he's definitely been on the one the heels, who has. Yeah. If he doesn't have all the answers, he's we're at least reasonably certain that he'll get there. Yeah. And now he is totally off kilter. Yeah. Um, but he's also worried about the the cocaine yes, that he's found at Dead Dog Farm, and this is a nice segue because um, there's a knock at the door, and it's Audrey, and she's brought him the photos that that Bobby took for Ben, 
and um she's very forthright she says like this is for you i stole it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. and and there it's a it's another you know cute flirtation between the two of them um so once cooper opens the envelope and he sees what audrey's brought him it the tone of their conversation changes completely and it's um the photos that bobby took for ben are of uh hank jennings ernie niles jean renault and sergeant king from the rcmp all meeting at dead dog farm um, so Cooper puts it together really quickly. By the way, I just love that shot that it's just the four of them yeah, at yeah, like yeah. perfect right angles to each other. Sure, just so you perfect can for see yeah. exactly who's there. Who's yeah, there, it's, yeah, it's but, uh, anyways. <laughs> um, but anyway, Cooper puts it all together with what he found at the farm and deduces correctly that he's being set up. Yeah. I did good, didn't I? Andre, you did better than good. You may have saved my life. So that makes us even now, right? Um, it's nice to see that that uh, that Audrey does care a lot about Cooper still and, and wants to help him. She wants to return the favor that, yeah. that he, you know, she bestowed did. upon her, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then Denise enters. Yes, Denise walks in. And um, uh, I love and how Audrey's a little Audrey, bit... Yeah, she's like, like awestruck. Jealous? Almost, well, yeah. she seems jealous at first. Like, yeah. I don't think she, she picks up that this is not uh, Cooper's love interest. This is not his girlfriend. This is, you know... DEA agent Denise Bryson. Yeah. Um, people really don't like the fact that Audrey calls her a woman agent. They have women agents as her yeah. line, yeah. and they think that that's a little problematic. Um, I see it as, as as kind of in character for Audrey, though, that she would be she she does seem to be very in awe of the fact that that yeah. Denise exists. Yeah, exactly. As and it's a not, DEA agent. Yeah, exactly. Not as a transgendered person, but no, as, as a, a woman of authority. Yeah. 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 And I think that that really um, sets up what a lot of fans wanted to see, which was Audrey Horn, special agent. Yeah. FBI special agent Audrey Horn. Yeah. In her own spinoff or something. Yeah, like, yeah, That yeah, would be a show yeah, I'd watch. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's... Or maybe uh, she moves to California after winning a jitterbug contest. But anyways, we won't go there. <laughs> Um, so yeah, she jumps in and she kisses Cooper right on the lips. Yeah, it's a very awkward kiss though. It's yeah, yeah. Like, but it's like okay, he wouldn't like do anything with her. Like, no, well, of course not. But it's it's still like yeah. you know, he's a little caught for us. Oh, okay. Um, and then she leaves, and uh, so Cooper explains the situation to Denise. Where shows him the photos. Shows him the photos. No, and explains. Oh, shows her the photos. Sorry. Let's start over. Cooper explains the situation yeah. and uh, the photos that he received. Uh, shows them to Denise, and then Denise though is less concerned about that than about Audrey. Yeah, and, and has this great line. Yeah. Now can we talk about something more important? Exactly. How old is that girl? Denise, I would assume you're no longer interested in girls. Coop, I may be wearing a dress, but I still pull my panties on one leg at a time. If you know what I mean. Not really. <laughs> and Cooper's Cooper's reaction at the end is priceless. Not really, but yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of a, a cute little scene. It's it's nice to see again just how these these old friendships are coming back. And um, I want to know more about what happened in Oakland between uh, Bryson and Cooper. Yeah, because I, I like their friendship. It's kind of it's kind of fun. And for a brand new character who's only introduced last episode to have such an easy repartee with with a main character who is fully fleshed out it really goes to show how thoughtful 
um, the inclusion of Denise Bryson was in in the show. How um, and and how well David Duchovny really plays her. So, mm-hmm. so it's good. Um, so the double R. The double R. The first scene that we've had between Norma and Ed in a while well, that is and, just the two of them. Yes, and it feels like there's no tension. Right, because remember the last time that they spoke was, was to break Nick, up. Yeah, basically. Nadine. Well, okay, no, that's not true. They that, had that. The, they the had wake, a scene. Yeah. Yes, and they did have. They were chatting um, a little bit. They did have a scene in the diner with Nadine and the milkshake. But this is the first time that we've heard their conversation, and it seems to be about their relationship again. Yes. Um, which two weeks ago, diegetically, was. Off limits. Yeah, Norma, yeah, Norma basically said, I don't want to But talk here to they you. are holding hands and talking about their future plans. and Well, and, and how they were ruined, like how their plans is when they were teenagers yes. were ruined by their life, and now they're halfway through their life, which Lindsay is always amazed by because they're only 35 or 36. But you I know. guess the average life expectancy is only 82. So Well, and in 1990, it was probably younger. It was but like anyway. 76 or something. So they were close to halfway through which their life. Which is super depressing yeah. because I'm 32 this year. Yeah. So. yeah, it's coming for you, Lindsay. Um, it's coming for you too. Amy. Yeah, we're the exact same age. Um, but then Hank spots them as yes. they're holding hands. Yes. And uh, you don't really get much of his face or anything. You no. just see him like spot it, and then he plays with his little domino, which we noticed has a different number it on it before. than it did before. I thought in the last the last time we brought this up, he it was, it was a, a four and four, four and four, so eight on the domino. This time it's, it's four, four and three. three. So I don't know. Um, the, the speculation is always that the domino represents how many people he's killed. So, unless this is the like, other side of the, the yeah, domino, yeah, maybe, maybe it's different sides. I have no idea. But he's playing so. with the domino anyway, um, which is probably not going to bode well. You just have no. to wonder yeah. what, what's in store. Yeah, Hank's not a good guy. Um, yeah, okay. Back to the sheriff's department. Back to the sheriff's department. Uh, Dick comes in and wants to speak to Andy. <laughs> Lucy's there, but he walks right by him. Yeah, she it. kind of... I, doesn't she, like, primp her hair or something? Yeah. Like she Because she, she thinks that Dick is there to see her, but he goes straight, straight for Andy. Him. And he wants to talk about little Nikki, who he now believes is, is the, the devil. devil. And there's this awful superimposed shot on, in Andy's head of little Nikki in, like, a devil Halloween costume. It is just... It is so so campy that I can't believe that this made it into the same show that previously had backwards talking little people (laughs) and dream sequences that blew my mind. And now I've got Andy Brennan imagining dollar store costumes on a poor child actor. Yeah, with like some flickering lights in the background. Yeah, like flames. It's ridiculous. Like it's it's just so ridiculous. Um, But they're going to go find out. What, what happened really to his parents. really happened to his parents. And we'll just leave it there. Um, so then Dwayne Milford has, yes. is also in the sheriff's station. He really wants to press charges. Um, and Doc Hayward is there also. You know, he just He's did in the, the autopsy yeah. on Doug. On Doug. Um, he, yeah, but Dwayne wants to press charges against Lana for, uh, for murdering. Murder, yeah. And, of course, Doc Hayward and, and Harry Sheriff Truman have to talk him down off of this ledge because there's no evidence from foul play um it's it's uh the way that that these characters are reacting to to Dwayne Milford a man who's in clear distress and and and, and he's the mayor of their upset. town he like, is the mayor but they, they kind of laugh at him a little bit well he's, he's so acting. funny like sure he's been but such he's a comic character. also in mourning yeah. and so you think like at the end when when Truman says you know go home try and get some rest it's the nicest 
you know, bit of compassion that, that they have offered him. Yeah. Um, so when, when Dwayne leaves, you get uh, another Weird. instance of Lana yeah. Milford entrancing the whole sheriff station, All which I think is, is just another nod to the fact that you know, Mayor Milford called her a witch and she's bewitched yeah, the entire it, yeah. sheriff's... It's like they were Every man her in this place is... To have Dick Tremaine and Doc Hayward quoting the same line uh, from from Romeo and Juliet yeah. about uh, she doth teach the torches to burn bright. You know, it's like... Yeah. It's like, really? 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 Yeah. And no, I mean, I it's not, it's not a, a, a condemnation of um, Robin Lively... Uh, as as a, an actress or Lana Milford as a character, it's just well maybe a little bit of yeah, Lana Milford because she's yeah. she's kind of not interesting at all. No, and yet all these men are enamored just, just cause she's over young her. and pretty. Like, there's, yeah, Shelley's way more better looking <laughs> than her. I don't know why they wouldn't be swooning over her. Like, Lucy's better. Looking. Yeah, like, Lucy's cute and yeah. she's funny and and I and, and when you get the the next scene where Lucy takes a call and can't find the sheriff and she's wandering around the sheriff station looking for everyone. Yeah. I feel super bad for Lucy because... But it's also super creepy. Like, the way it everyone's is. looking at her and, and just... Looking at Lana. Her, at yeah. Lana, yeah. Because Lucy walks into the one to, of, Harry's, Harry's office. Harry's office, yeah. And all the men are just laughing at Lana's terrible jokes, I would presume. I don't know if it's a joke. It's more stories about her upbringing. And yeah, and the men she's probably killed by Cowboys and, and clown outfits and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. it's a very strange it set is of... odd. Especially Andy. Andy, yeah, like, yeah. is like... He has, like, this girlish, like... Swooning look yeah, on, his face. on his face, and then he has a giant jug of milk that he's <laughs> yep, just there, pouring and he pours milk, for, milk her. for her, and it's like, it's a very weird scene. I think it really was okay. So uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not an expert on Lana Milford, but if she was being set up to be this mystical supernatural interloper, yeah, then it then makes this sense. makes more sense. But because that doesn't go anywhere. Um, it's like when you Nikki. know what happens at the end and you know yeah. where her character ends up, it looking back, you're just like, why, why, was, why this was this there? Why, why does this exist? And, that, and that's maybe that's just what we bring. Maybe if you're yeah. watching it the first time, you're like, oh, yeah, she's there's something up with her. Like yeah. You might think that, but yeah. there isn't. So really. that kind of kills it. But anyway, um, so we go back to the double R mm-hmm. and we get uh, Denise approaching Ernie with the photos. Yeah. And Can I help you? Mr. Niles, I don't want to put the squeeze on you. You've been to prison. I don't need to paint you any pictures. What's this all about? For starters, you're guilty of a serious parole violation. Enough to put you back inside. And unless you cooperate, I intend to do everything in my power to make sure you stay there. Um, but her plan all along is is to flip Ernie, yeah. and she correctly predicts that this guy is someone who's willing to to talk to save his own hide. Yeah. Um, but not we, really. <laughs> well, kind of, because we the next scene is is his kind of quasi confession in Cooper's room at the Great Northern, and uh, and it's really funny. It's like it's, really it's like you you get the you get the impression that Ernie thinks he's that they're good cop bad cop. 
or bad cop, bad cop, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, they just want to know what he knows. Yeah. And he has to give this big, long-winded lie about how they, they beat him tortured up and, him and they, and they threatened his, his wife. And, and it's just yeah. like, and at one point, Denise is just like, Ernie, shut will up. you shut up? Just tell us what we want to know. And, and Cooper's much more gentle. He's like, just, we're on your side. We're here for you. Like, just tell us what you know. Um, and so yeah. eventually he does tell them that there's four kilos to sell, but they can't find a buyer. And Denise says, well, you now found one, one now. now. And uh, and there's a little bit of, you know, transphobic interaction between Ernie and Denise as, as Ernie uh, realizes that Denise is not um, a assigned female uh, yes, at birth. exactly, yes. <laughs> And uh, wrenches his hand away from her. But, uh, and he admits he has a nervous bladder and has to go to the bathroom, which is, um, yeah. which is uh, an interesting thing that comes up in the next couple of episodes. But basically, Denise is going to pose as this big major buyer from Seattle. And that's going to, they're going to set up a sting and hopefully clear Cooper's name. That's the, that's the plan anyway. And that, that scene is also the start of the lightning in, in this episode. Yes. So there, it's at nighttime and there's, there's a lot of thunder and yeah. lightning activity. And it's, uh, yeah, it's the first time that I can remember lightning in Twin no, Peaks. No, it's the second time that that's happened. Yes. There's the, in the scene with, uh, with Judge Sternwood earlier in, in the yeah. season. Um, anytime I see lightning on screen or I hear lightning in a book, I'm reminded of that awful, terrible opening line. It was a dark and stormy night. night. Yeah. And I remember my university professors and my high school English teachers talking about the pathetic fallacy and how as a writer you should avoid it. Um, yeah, but here, it here it is, but it's put to good use Yeah, because, um, not in the next scene, obviously we can just, nope, we, we can just gloss over this because we go back to James and Evelyn, it's a James and, scene. uh, James wakes up and hears Evelyn and her husband having a fight. He's in the guest room above the garage and yeah. he can hear them. And then the, the, the chauffeur guy walks in again, Evelyn's Yeah. And he's and a little he's, drunk. He's I drunk think, and, and he's, he's just like, oh, one about, day I'll kill him. Okay, then just fucking do it. Like, yeah, oh God, it's 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 such a it's it's so bad. Yeah, but the lightning continues. The lightning um, continues, and we go to the Briggs home, and yes. this is where the the big um, finale is. And I love this scene. I, love this I scene absolutely too. love this scene for because all of it. Bobby returns home from presumably a day of scheming and yeah. whatever with Ben Horn, or or maybe out with Audrey. I have no idea. Um, and he finds his mom sitting in the dark, and and there's it's an adorable exchange between mother and son, which we have not seen, and I and I. There really aren't a lot of mothers portrayed in any kind of positive light in Twin Peaks. There's a lot of fathers. We get a lot of different different kinds of fathers and father figures, but we don't get a lot of mothers. And and we get like Sarah Palmer's missing completely. Eileen Hayward is is essentially, yeah. you know, assigned to yeah. her home. Like she yeah. can't well, she she go anywhere else. Go anywhere, yeah. really. Yeah. We don't see her anywhere aside from in her home. Um uh Audrey's mother is is you know, has been AWOL since yeah. episode three. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is really the only, the only other left. mom that has any role to play is Betty Briggs. And she does in this scene take on, um, a very interesting role because we saw in the previous episode that she seems to have a really good understanding of what Garland Briggs does for a living and probably has more information than she's willing to let on, um, based on her, on her relationship with him. Yeah. Um, here so she's she's previously shown to be very strong and very um calm and composed and we called her stepford wifey when we when we first First met her in in the first early uh, episodes of season one but here we see a totally different side of her because she's sitting in the dark 
and she's crying when she talks to Bobby because she's worried about her husband. Yeah. And Bobby, Bobby comes tries over to and holds her hand, and he tells her all about the dream that his yeah. dad had about him. And um, and Betty gives a really beautiful quote about about um, Garland. Your father is an extraordinary being. My father is a deeply weird individual, but he has a lot more going on under his head than most people, that's for sure. Sometimes when I'm sleeping, he runs his fingers through my hair. And it's it's um it's just such a nice mother son moment that we've been so sorely lacking. And I didn't I didn't really realize it until um, a little while ago. I had a conversation with um, some other people on on a Facebook thread about uh, about this issue of mothers being kind of absent in in the world of Twin Peaks. So watching this episode and seeing a mother take a motherly role and be strong and mysterious and knowledgeable and wise mm-hmm. um and caring and loving still yeah, at the same time, it's yeah. it's it's such a a broad um deep character moment for betty briggs yeah and i really love it i don't know what what do you think no i agree i think this is i think she's one of the best characters of season two and it's, she's really not in that many scenes she's in this one and later on um she and the ma- major are they help sarah palmer return at the end right are they together there no. well they're just together but she doesn't really have she much, doesn't have much role a role yeah no but i mean yeah so so this is really kind of the extent of her character but yeah. it's a really good moment you're right and i mean it, it but it's still in keeping with the season one character where she was kind yeah. of this doting housewife because she is she loves her husband yeah more than anything, and she supports his approach to raising Bobby. I think well, she's just used to that. Well, she supports everything that he does yeah. because she recognizes that he's a special individual. Yes. And, and that's, you know, when you come, when you when you portray housewives on screen, a lot of times it, it falls into some very stereotype uh, tropes that, you know, a lot of people, myself included, find you know, sexist and outdated and misogynist in a lot of cases. Um, Here, it's not that way. I don't read it that way. But I think the way, the reason it's not that way is because Major Briggs has a respect for her. Yeah, exactly. He he loves and cares for her. And he, they they have this mutual division of responsibilities. It's a partnership. And she, and even Bobby, to some extent, understands that what, like, he says... He'll come back. He yeah. always comes back. Yeah. Like this is this is not an unusual occurrence for him. This family is 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 a different kind of family, and it's the first instance that we get where you where you see that really mm-hmm. come to the fore. Before this, they were just we saw dysfunction and we saw um, the discord between father and son, and and it it didn't really. It didn't really strike us as being... Um, like a positive place. Well, it, it didn't strike us as being noteworthy at all. No. It was well, just another, another dysfunctional yeah, family. Exactly. But now it's like there's there's a deeper thread of, of you know, Bobby calls his father a deeply weird individual. Yeah. But this is a deeply weird family. Yeah. Right? Because they all understand that, that yeah, dad sometimes disappears for, yeah, for a t- you know, however long. And yeah. that's not normal. And, um, and, and you get that that mix of dysfunction and yet acceptance uh, yeah, right away because 
uh, the lightning, the lightning yeah, starts to flash, flash, and the lights go Who's out. There? And Garland Briggs Garland appears Briggs in like 1940s pilot uniform, yes. um, which is never explained. No, it's never. But explained. it's very interesting. And um, uh, and yeah, and he and, asks how long he's been gone. Yes, and he then, feels that it's only been a short yeah, time. Yeah, it feels but like a short time. He's been gone for about two, two days. days. Yeah, um, and then. Uh, she runs up to him and gives him a hug and kiss him and then he tells Bobby put out a cigarette, cigarette <laughs> just like he did in earlier episodes you know he's, he still has that moral center but then he also asks Bobby can you fix me a cocktail and a strong one yeah a stiff yeah, one or whatever stiff one, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and Bobby's like yeah okay like he, he there's like I think the, the dynamic has changed in the family so much that there's now it's it's a three way mutual respect. Yeah. In as much as an eighteen year old can respect his parents on that but level, Bobby's but I think it's changed a lot in three weeks or four yeah, weeks, right? It's, like it's like uh this in contrast to the way he acted with Audrey yes. in the hallway at the Great Northern, this is a much more mature Bobby. And well, I think even there he's He's mature because he's picking up. Like they've been very upfront about their the sexual nature of what yeah, they were playing guess, with there, but, and but they were talking about going into business together, and they really are sure. But in it's business innuendo. Of, yeah, and sure. It's, it's but I think playful, and it's kind the of the point of contrast is not here. It's it's when they went to family counseling before, oh, and Bobby yeah, was absolutely. so immature and just like, oh, I don't need to Whatever. be here. Blah blah yeah. blah. And then since then, you know, uh, Laura died, and he found out who killed Laura and all that stuff. But Bobby's changed by. You know, he's, and here here's the thing that I don't think we gave enough credit for. He stuck around with Leo, and he is really trying to find a way to provide for Shelly. Yeah, I guess. Which is, which is a very grown-up and responsible thing to do when you love someone and you want to take care of them, and you've, you've kind of led them down to this path. Um, and then sure. And he's trying to help her. Sure, I, I guess. That is true. And I think that's a big change from the guy who was just screwing around with Shelly and was terrified of Leo yeah. and, you know, really didn't. And was yeah. keeping Laura on a leash and selling drugs and stuff like that. Like, yeah. he's changed a lot in three well, weeks. Well, I wouldn't say he's keeping Laura. I think Laura was keeping him on a leash. That's true, yes. But Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it is it's it is a big change. And um, and it's it's nice to see. Yeah. Because I, I think that this sets the tone for... Well, definitely, with the, the after Bobby goes to get his dad a drink, um, Major Briggs asks... No. Or... Betty asks, Betty asks Major, Major Briggs, Briggs, is everything all right? And he says, no, dear, not exactly. And then the the lights go out and the the episode ends. So yeah, well, I mean, you get a last shot of the, the sky sure, and there's yeah. lightning yes, and stuff. Yes, right, yeah, the rolling thunder yeah. and lightning and, yeah. you know, those funny-looking clouds. Yeah. Mematis clouds, I think they're called. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, so it's, it's, okay, A, it's a change in the Briggs' family dynamic. B, it signals Bobby Briggs' maturity. See, it underscores Major Briggs's importance yes. to what's coming up in the next couple um, episodes. Yeah, well, until the well, end of the, the, end of the, the series. Season, yeah. um, and D, it it brings in this element of uh, electricity. Yes, being a force of transmission. Of transmission, I yeah. guess, because it is when a big lightning strike happens and the lights go out that Major Briggs appears, and this comes back into play in a huge fashion in Firewalk with me. Um, so and and also in in we saw it in the roadhouse when yep. when things started to you know the the giant and other lodge creatures appearing or lodge inhabitants appearing when when lightning is is present yeah. so or electricity this is, uh, yeah fluctuates or this something is like that, yeah. not the first time that we've seen this happening no. um so it it does seem like it's uh it's purposeful and it but it's it's the 
maybe the first time that I noticed in my first uh, Oh, when you first watched it. When I first watched it all those years ago, it was the first time that I noticed that, 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 and at the time I thought it was just the natural phenomenon of electricity. And since then I've broadened that definition to all kinds of electricity, yeah. including the music and, and the transmission of, uh, well, telephones, uh, telephones and, stuff, and, yeah. and television and all of these things that influenced Leland, um, before we even knew that he was Bob. I mean, a lot of these things start to tie together, um, whether they were purposeful or not doesn't matter. It's it's the way that these these next few episodes start to build on this mythology. Like we said, it's the framework is there, and they're starting to drape cloth over it and make it into something, and and we're starting to get the the fruits More of that. Sense, yeah. Um, Slowly and steady, though. It's not. There's very few big re- reveals. I mean, last yeah last episode there was a description of the black lodge and the white lodge, right? Which was a lot. Well, of we do get we do get a few yet. when when Wyndham Earl appears. Yes. There's a few big revelations about the mythology that come out, or at least his understanding of the mythology. So we are in for a little bit of a treat in that respect, but um, but it 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 asks more questions than it answers, and mm-hmm. that's where Twin Peaks I think has always been um, at its best. So. Yeah, these are these are um, these are the highs of of season two, and this is where the highs take us, which are drastically different than the lows. But yeah, um, it's where we're heading for yeah. the next, you know. Yeah, for the next however many episodes. Hours. Yeah, yeah. So a dozen episodes. Yeah. So yeah. So that's that one. So yeah, we hope you'll join us for next week, next week's episode, where we learn a little bit more about the uh, the chess game. The yes. game that is afoot. Yes. To use a Sherlockian yes, turn of phrase. <laughs> yes, join us then. Thanks. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter. That's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or a comment. We'd love to hear from you.